Welcome to Pagan Gumbo Podcast. I'm Forrest and I'm here with Lisa, Seamus, and Michael. Today's topic is death and dying and the rite of passage that surrounds it. Um, we're going to get going with the discussion of paleo-pagan death practices. And uh, who's going to kick it off? Well, speaking of death and dying, I'd want to apologize for the death and dying that's been going on with Pagan Gumbo. It, it has not been a regular <laughs> serving of Pagan Gumbo for most of the year, but thankfully we've got new equipment that will allow us to hopefully uh, streamline the process and be able to get stuff out a lot quicker. So we are now so reborn. We are reborn, and so we are going to start the the next several um, discussions about the rite of passages, like you said. So we'll start with death, since we're kind of in that frame of mind with, with harvest and sowing approaching, right. and then we'll go through and, and end up with, uh, with birth. I think the other topics we talked about this morning was uh, marriage and adulthood, uh, man and, and woman making. Cool. So, so death and dying. Hooray. Starting a little backwards, but that's okay. It is the season, though. Seamus is right. We're at the time of this recording, uh, we are at the late part of summer. Uh, here in the, I guess we are both sort of the eastern part of the United States and the Midwest, Columbus, Ohio. We are the heart of it all. We are the heart of it all. So we're starting to see the, the weather begin to shift and the days getting a little bit shorter, nights coming in sooner. And so death and dying and the end of things, the reaping of the harvest, if you will, is very much on our minds. Um so, what are some of the traditions and the practices that uh, human beings would engage in when it came to death and dying? Well, I think the big one that stands out that a lot of people will talk about is uh, we think about our pagan ancestors as being into reincarnation in particular. Um, and we find that in Diodorus Siculus, where he talks about the Druids. Um, he talks about how they subscribe to the Pythagorean idea where the soul would come back and, and things like that. But it's become really popular with modern paganism to look back and, and consider reincarnation as kind of that common mode of what happens after death. If it's not that, it's going to the Summerlands or going to... Um, the, the fields of Elysium or where it might be, depending on your particular path. There are a lot of different places that one could go. And one of the, um, one of the things that's most common with that is that um, there is a, a modern notion of where we go based on those ancient notions. And in a lot of ways, we've sort of selected that text in a way that appeals to us rather than in a way that actually follows the text. And that's an interesting thing that's happened with well, modern paganism. I, I think death and dying and, 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 and what happens next is one of the big cues, the big questions with the capital Q. You know, who are we? Why are we here? Where do we go? What happens next? So I think that reincarnation or that other place that you go to, whether it's heaven or hell or, or uh, Valhalla or whatever, uh, is one of those expressions of what, what, what happens next once this life is over. Um, and that probably is 
a series of podcasts just talking about what those myth sets mean and what that the different philosophies are. But I, I do think it's interesting that, um, like you said, that reincarnation is almost the default for most uh, neo-pagans because I don't necessarily believe in reincarnation personally. Right. Um, yeah, I don't go there either. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that I have a very solid notion of what happens hereafter, but uh, it, it is kind of left up up in the air and uh, so that the idea of, of picturing death or the end of this particular life as an entryway into the next life and what that next life might be it probably creates a structure for a lot of the way that we live on this side of that line mm-hmm. um, the choices that we make and, and the morality that, that we follow um, but from a pagan perspective I think there, there's there are quite a lot there's quite a range of beliefs as to what happens next I think I, I can't remember was it Winnie that did the uh, the essays back in, in uh, the uh, Aduna um, uh, magazines about the the Norse notion of uh, of the soul and how it splits up into several oh, pieces yes. so there's possible that a part of you is reincarnated and a part of you could still go on to Summerlands and a part of you can do this and a part of you can do that and I think that's an interesting concept um, that we would fracture into all those different pieces so that all those things are possible. Right. So nobody's necessarily right. Nobody's necessarily wrong. Right. That a soul or consciousness, rather than remaining individual and passing into whatever's next, would fraction or maybe dissolve into disparate pieces, almost like um, the evaporation of water, recombining and then separating again as it goes through these cycles, uh, which makes a lot of sense to me, I guess, that that notion um, seems to have a lot more resonance as, as potentially true. Um, on the other hand, I kind of like not having a very solid idea of what comes next so that the choices made on this side of death aren't restricted in the same way as as they might be in other belief systems where uh, there's a very definitive and very clear idea of what happens next and what you are supposed to do here and now in order to achieve a certain result after that. Um, for, for some reason, for me, the, the notion of, of that is, is really uncomfortable and probably one of the reasons why I am pagan. <laughs> I think the other thing that death gives us the opportunity to do is it's a time when so one of the things we sometimes study is the ritual format and death gives an opportunity something has happened to the group the family the tribe whatever that has taken them out of normal time you have to deal with whatever has just happened and so the rituals that come up about because of the death the funeral rites in a lot of ways seem to be ways things that reaffirm the structure of the universe so if you look at the traditional protestant type of ritual funeral ritual which is what i'm most familiar with because that's what my family typically is um there might be some mention of the deceased at some point depending upon how close to or far from the traditional stuff that one is 
but a lot of the ritual is about the death of Christ and being reborn and how um, that's a that's a universal constant that's a universal construct that you can still be certain of that so even though you've been taken out of your normal way of things there's something of certainty that you can hold on to and it wasn't until I realized that I used to get really annoyed going to those funerals because it's like you didn't you didn't mention the deceased at all um, but then I started studying ritual formats and stuff like that and I thought oh that's exactly what the folks at the funeral need they need to know that their um, their world even though their world seems to have been torn asunder it's not that mm-hmm. their truths are still their truths and mm-hmm. they can hold on to that mm-hmm. and I think if we look at older if we're able to look at older pagan rituals we can see probably they're doing the same thing yeah and we find a lot of that stuff in the literature as well so if you think about specifically um, the creation of the world the creation of the world in Indo-European mythologies and other mythologies as well involves the dismembering of somebody and taking those particular body parts and putting them out into various places so um the, the the cosmic giant's eye becomes the sun, his mind becomes the moon, his um, hair becomes the trees and mm-hmm. the plants and the grasses, his blood becomes the sea, um, breath becomes the wind, that sort of stuff. Somebody's um, fleas become things. Yes, I think Ymir's fleas become dwarves. Maybe. From, yeah, something <laughs> like that. It's always kind of amusing they find a use for the fleas. Yes. Um, I think it's more amusing that he had fleas. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's the creation of the world. And what death is, is it's often a, a, a destruction. We, we tend to think of it as such because we're no longer able to, to see or touch uh, that person. And uh, when I looked at it, I looked at it from a, a slightly different angle of when when we're born... You know, we take all these things out from the cosmos. So the sun becomes our eye. The wind becomes our breath. Um, the, the sea becomes our blood. And then when we pass, we go and we reaffirm the cosmos in the same way that that primordial giant does. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so our mind goes to the moon. Our eye goes to the sun. Mm-hmm. Our breath becomes the wind. Um, and I found actually a lot of a lot of use in that, and a lot of comfort in it, frankly, because it it gives some kind of purpose and cycle mm-hmm. to life and death. And rather than you go into the ground and you become worm food, which is a cycle of its own, um, this gives a, a significantly more mythological, religious look to it, and one that we can find echoes that I think stir all of us to some extent it's nice to feel like that is something that um that we're doing that yeah. we're well i like the idea out. that you know you're taking something that is sacred mm-hmm. bringing it into the the mundane or the profane and then when we're done with this life we return to the sacred it's interesting that in those mythologies and even in more contemporary mythologies like pop, pop culture and the, the big kind of elaborate um, Joseph Campbell-style heroes' journey stories, a lot of the villains are the ones who seek to defy death or to escape death or to defeat death. You know, you've got your 
Voldemort and, and the Horcruxes in order to try to live forever. Uh, you've got uh, Darth Vader uh, basically on walking life support and so on and so forth. And your heroes, conversely, are the ones who willingly and knowingly greet death and meet death and embrace their death as a as a form of self-sacrifice in order to, well, in, in many of the stories, like Gandalf the Grey becomes Gandalf the White, be reborn and ascend to something greater. And it's interesting how all of these more contemporary mythologies and several of, of the more ancient mythologies frame um, the microcosmic experience of one person's life as a larger statement about the cosmos and, and the, the cycles and the natural cycles and how things dissolve and, and come back together. Um, from an astrological standpoint, we talk a lot about Saturn and Saturn being uh, sometimes personified as a reaper with a great big scythe, you know, the, the cloaked figure with the bony face. Um, in astrological readings, often I'll look for things like if, if the person's age falls between 28 and 32, they're going what's called through what's called a Saturn return, and then again uh, closer to 60, and then again closer to 90 because Saturn takes 30 years approximately to get around the sky, our visible sky. And what that signifies for the person is a life change, a dramatic life change. What contemporaries of my, my grandmother, when she was a reader, would have called your first death or your second <laughs> death. It was very <laughs> dramatic. <laughs> but there was something to be said for that because they were rites of passage. They were moments in a person's evolution, personal evolution, where they ceased to be who they had been up until that moment. And they stepped into their new role their new evolution of themselves. That, that fits the timeline of midlife crisis? Sort of. Kind of uh, I maybe. guess, are we at midlife in our 30s? Well, we were. Well, we were. <laughs> the quarter-life we crisis. Were. Yeah. The quarter-life crisis that they started to discover and talk about. Right. Which I thought, wow, that's awfully close yeah. to... It's that 25, but that's still you're in getting, that sort of You're starting to look down the barrel of that. Holy 30 crap, year I'm an adult. What right, yeah, I know. Definitely... I have to be in charge now. I have to be the person who's the foremost authority in my own life, and I'm not sure that I'm okay with that, but right. I desperately want it. You know, it's almost I like need being an a adult to I need an adult, and it's me. <laughs> I have never experienced that. <laughs> well, I mean adulthood. <laughs> well, one of the things, too, that's worth noting is that the afterlife has a, a very clear geography in some traditions. And so certain things happen to the soul after death. So shortly after death, when the, the body is placed on a funeral pyre or placed into the earth, the soul is taken, usually by some kind of messenger or liminal spirit, um, to the edge of waters. And there they meet a ferryman. And that ferryman is usually old because they represent old age and the things that you cannot escape. Um, some traditions have you paying the ferryman. Some have that fare already paid. Um, but you'll cross those waters, and as you do so, they're often waters of memory, waters of forgetfulness. And so memories get left behind, um, and you move on to a, a place where there is no pain, there is no fear um, when you get to the other side of it. There are dogs involved often, so you've got Cerberus, who's 
name may or may not come from the same root word as the dog named Spot. Um, <laughs> and you've got four-eyed dogs in, in, that attend Yama in Vedic myth, and, and they're, they have spots above their eyes. That's why they're called four-eyed dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, they must be one of those Rottweilers that have the spots over their <laughs> eyes. Oh, maybe. Dobermans. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. That's it. But that's, that's where the spot connotation is, is clear across Indo-European spectrum is you've got Yama's dogs, you've got all these. And then um, there's often a, a meeting with the, the first king, the first one to die, um, and that should hopefully go well if you lived a good life, and it might be very hard if you didn't. Um, it might be hard to reach that. I know in Avestan mythology there's a um, a bridge that you have to cross and mm-hmm. it's easy to cross if you lived a good life and it's very narrow if you didn't mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of that notion of narrow passages or wide passages depending on, on how you lived your life um, and then of course there are also ways around the forgetfulness because memory is a key thing a key, of key importance to, to actually achieving immortality cheating death as you were saying um, the way to do that is not to live forever, but to be remembered forever. And so initiatory traditions in Greece will tell you, go to the left of the house of Hades, don't drink from the first spring, drink from the second. When you reach the guards there, tell them I am a child of earth and of starry heaven, and I am thirsty, and they will let you drink, and you will retain your memories, you will regain them. And I think that's a, an important thing, too, is that even though the afterlife is often described as things as a place where things are in the negative. So there is no pain. There is no death. There is, you know, no sickness. It's a lot of things that aren't there. Um, we still have this kind of clear idea from mythology and from folklore about what is actually there. And those who pay attention, those who know can find something deeper. Even after death, you can, you can learn new things. And part of that immortality too is, having people who remember you making offerings, keeping your grave up, and things like that. The The duty of, I think, any child is to, to keep their parents' grave and to make sure that their children also do the same. Which gets to the topic of ancestor worship, which we cannot talk about death, I don't think, in death rites without talking about ancestor worship. Right. And that's a good time to finish up this first segment already and start into another segment because yes already we've <laughs> but we're having so much fun and it, it is just a pause and a reboot oh okay so for us for them it'll be a week maybe <laughs> maybe who knows <laughs> yeah. if i'm in charge it could be a year right <laughs> and so with that we'll uh see you next time or you'll hear us next time And uh, we'll be continuing our discussion of rites of passage, of death and dying, of the practices that are both ancient and more contemporary that surround death and dying. This episode has been brought to you by the Magical Druid Store in Clintonville, Columbus, Ohio. Purveyors of all things magical and, if I do say so, pretty awesome. Yay. It's also been sponsored by NuiCobaltDesigns.com Magic Sechic So thanks a lot guys <laughs> We're very French I'm very French Ate a lot of cheese That's pretty much as French as I get <laughs> See you guys next time I like French fries French fries French, French, French dressing French.